Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, and corporate leaders sharing their own truths and their personal journeys. This episode, I'm joined by none other than the inspirational Pete Cohen. Pete is a leading inspirational speaker and coach, specializing in leadership, maximizing human potential and performance. He's the author of 20 published books, several of which have been bestsellers across the world in multiple languages, including Shut the Duck Up, Habit Busting, Fear Busting, Life DIY, and Sort Your Life Out. And his most recent publication, Inspirators Leading the Way in Leadership. He's had his own TV show called The Coach and was the resident life coach on ITV's GMTV for 12 years. He's recognized authority on personal and professional development, leadership development, motivation, health and well-being. He firmly believes that when people are inspired, they are much more likely to give and be more. And his mission is to inspire people to accomplish far more than they ever thought possible. Firstly, welcome to the show, Pete. Thank you so much, Glenn. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to be here with you, even though you're on the other side of the world. <laughs> well, you're welcome, mate. And one of the things is, guys, let me just say, check this guy out, because to get into a show for like a 40, 45 minute show, that was a short snippet of what this guy has done. So go ahead and I'll put the links up, obviously, as I do each week, but check out some of the stuff that Pete actually does. <laughs> Today, as we all know about the IPC, it's about uncovering the person behind Oftentimes with social media, we see what people do for a profession. We see money, we see fame, we see all the rest. We think that they must live extravagant lives and they may never have possibly suffered with mental health or gone through adversity. So today we're going to uncover like we normally do. So what I want to do with you, Pete, is first of all, take it back to where we met. So there's an incredible platform and I'll not plug them. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're probably making a lot of money, so they can uh, pour into people who are doing good things around the world. But an incredible platform, nonetheless. And one thing I will say about the IPC is it's all been about building relationships with people. People often see, like yourself, coming onto the show, and they're like, how do you connect? And it's about building relationships. And this platform was a place, and I was trying to think a little bit earlier before this show, which room did we actually end up in? It's a premise of where you can go into rooms, meet people internationally, hear what they do, almost like a around the table networking thing and really get to know the person. Um, but I can't even remember now, mate. It feels like this friendship has, has gone on for quite some time. But were we in a mutual room together and came across each other or did I come into your I, I can't remember. I just remember hearing your story. And then I heard it a few times. And I just thought, well, this is someone I want to know. This is someone I want to understand more about. Actually, this is someone I want to help and support. This is someone I want to shine a light on because you're quite clearly playing a big game. And I must have resonated with a lot of what you were saying in terms of, because you and I have a very similar background in terms of being in the fitness industry and the body dysmorphia thing. And I remember you talking about that. And then I just thought, what has this person overcome and then the movement that you've created, you know, it's like, how did you do that? You know, what was driving you? And it's interesting, Glenn, when you were talking, when you were reading the things that I've done, in my mind, I was thinking about what has driven me in my life. A lot of it has been driven to prove myself to other people, to prove, to want recognition, to want acceptance, because I clearly didn't accept myself. And I, and I, and I was, that was what I was reflecting on. But I think with 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 the with where we met on that app, when you hear someone and you can't see them, it definitely does something different. You can't put all of those kind of preconceived ideas of what who someone is because you see them. When you hear it, it the brain has to work in a different way. And I just connected with you and thought, this is someone I need to know. So yeah, there's there's the thing about you that drew me to you was you've got this uncanny ability. And let me just put a bit of background behind this this application, this platform, it's like you said very well there, you can't see the person other than image and it's all audio based, so you listen. But you, when I heard you speak, you've got this uncanny ability and I'd say it's a God gift that 
you can speak into people, but you listen. So you retract that information and there's something that connects with the heart of the person to be able to pour into them. So with that being said, where, before this question, let's take it back. We were both in fitness, but where did it all start for you? And I suppose along your journey to the question that I'm going to revert to is what is it that actually drew you to finding that gift of connecting to someone's heart instead of just seeing an external what they do? You know, it's a great question. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the answer is, I suppose I'd like to thank my parents in some way because my dad was a Rotarian uh, for over 50 years and Rotary is about seeking service over self, you know, and my mum, uh, they were so, such hospitable people. They would always welcome people in and everyone had a seat at the table. So you, you, I was around that a lot and both my parents aren't here anymore, but they kind of, I think it has a lot to do with that. But I don't know. It's such a great question. Like, where did that come from? And I'm waking up to the fact that more and more people are recognizing me for my ability to listen and then connect people. Because I don't know why. I really don't know. Maybe you've got an opinion as to why, why I do that. I don't know. I just feel alive at the idea of bringing people together. It's a wonderful thing to do, right? Yeah. But I think there's – and what I've noticed along my journey is this – I've come full fruition. I was the least spiritual person and now kind of everything that's led me along the way and people being brought to me. And that's why I said that. I think it's a God-given, a God-given yeah. gift. Like it's a discernment that you have got something in you, Pete, and that normally comes from somewhere. So taking us back to your story, you said you resonated when I spoke about the fitness, the body dysmorphia and the acceptance thing. Can you delve into that a little bit about why you didn't feel accepted? Um, well, I think from a very early age, so I think I was five years old, I remember having problems retaining information, right? So um, I got diagnosed with dyslexia, I got diagnosed with, well, it wasn't called this then, attention deficit disorder. Um, I, when I was six, I remember being moved out of the class I was in and being put in a class that was below me. And I remember sitting in a classroom with looking either side of me and realizing that these guys were younger than me. And why was I in this situation? You know, what then I, that the idea immediately probably came to my mind. There must be something wrong with me. And I think that was an idea that I've had for most of my life. There's something wrong with me and I need to prove myself. And human beings are very, we're, we're like, we are animals. We're pack animals. We want to be accepted. So it's like, what do you have to do to be accepted? So what I tried to do to be accepted was to get people to like me, you know, to get people to think, to approve me, to accept me. And I think a huge part of my life, I've tried to prove myself to other people, but it's never really, it nearly killed me. You know, you know literally in my twenties, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue. I was diagnosed with attention. No, sorry. Diagnosed with chronic fatigue and with ME, which lasted for about 10 years. It was horrendous. But Glenn, I look back now and I think, was that actually ever really me? I think I've come so far from there and I still think there's work to be done on, on the experience of being me. But this isn't something I often talk about. When I was about eight or nine years old, I noticed that one of my testicles was bigger than the other one. But I already felt insecure about myself. So I, I didn't tell anyone and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. I became more and more self-conscious, you know, and to the point where I start, I made a few appointments to go to the doctor, but I canceled. And this went on for about six, seven years until eventually I saw a photograph of myself and I could see just how big the testicle had become. And then one of my friends said, what's in your trousers like that? And it got so bad and so much pain in my head of what was going on. And I was ashamed of my body as well. You know, maybe that's part of why I resonated with, with the story that with you and you, you're, you're ashamed of yourself, of your body that I finally went to the doctor and, you know, luckily it was a benign cyst and they removed it, but psychologically, you know, I was bullied, you know, I'm Jewish. I was bullied for being Jewish. I've got a big nose, you know? Um, so I always felt like there was something wrong with me and I had to prove myself to the world. And I'm not sure if I'm the only person, but it's taken me a, a good few years to work out that I'm not here to prove anything to anyone anymore. I'm here to, to give my gift to the world of which that as you identified as one of them and think, well, who can we connect? Who can we bring together 
what impact can we make while we're here? I love that. And that's why I love this campaign and these conversations, mate, because it's kind of like you delve past the superficial and you really just get to know a person. And that's why I think what we have in common is we don't see a profession in people. We see the person. And I think as a, as a human race, if we can move forward as a collective conscious to actually go, you know what, remove the external. Clearly what we're going through with the pandemic, we're having to look internal and we're looking at what we resonate with. We're listening to people on these apps instead of seeing things and making prejudgment and stuff like that. But where do you think along that journey, you spoke about that, about all of what you'd endured. So I suppose your adversity, what was the straw that basically you found self-acceptance with yourself to be able to what you do now? Well, there's a few things that you just said there, but I'll answer the question. I suppose it was uh, 11 years ago when my wife was diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor and she was given 18 months to live. Um, so I believe that there is an answer to everything, just like you. You, you're, you and I have advanced so much that we are much more humble than we used to be, I would imagine. We're, we're open to say we're not perfect, we'll give our vulnerabilities, but I think for years maybe we didn't. We, we played a typical idea of who we thought we should actually be. But deep down there's something in us which is far more powerful than any of that crap. And that's why you've managed to do what you've done, which I'm so impressed by what you've done. You've woken up the world to conversations. All right, look, we're all imperfect. We're all imperfectly perfect. We're all insecure. We're all vulnerable. And if you don't think you are, you're kidding yourself, right? Because you want acceptance. You're putting this stuff out there because you want people to know, like, and trust you or follow you when really, do you want to follow yourself, right? That's my goal. My goal is you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, I want to follow you, you know, um, and that's my goal. But when this happened with my wife, I was a bit of a fraud in terms of as a coach, which is what I am at the heart of what I am a coach. You ask someone, you know, what do you want? So you, you get them to start thinking about what they want, where they want to go. And some of them don't know. And I'd say, well, if you don't know where you're going, then how can I help you? It, we have to work on that. We have to get to the point where with a lot of the athletes I've worked with, Olympic champions, world champions, if they can't see the person that they need to be to have the result that they want, I'd say, I can't help you. Yeah. I was a fraud because I didn't know. If you said to me, Pete, where are you going to be in five years time? I'd think, I do not know. I haven't got a clue. And don't ask me that question because I don't really want to think about it. Because all I was thinking about was the next day, the next week, the next month. I, I wasn't thinking far ahead. As a child, I was never thinking ahead. I was thinking, well, just thinking about today, you know, going to the pub, doing what we did when we were kids. But I think I was scared to dream big. So, but my mum always said there's an answer to everything. And my dad always said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So I'm like you, Glenn, I know a lot of people. So when this happened, I called up, I had a coach, who lived, in the, who lived in Dallas. He was from the Philippines. I called him up. I told him what happened. And this is what he said. He said, find people that are still alive with the same brain tumor and find out why. Why are they still here? What did they do? I never would have thought of that because I was in panic mode. But then he said this, ask her what she's going to do when she gets better. And I said, Rafa, I've just told you, She's got 18 months to live. And then again, I never forget what he said. He went, so what? People defy the odds all the time. Don't buy into those odds. Yeah. Find people that are still alive and ask her what she's going to do when she gets better. So I did find people that were still alive. And I found a doctor in Houston, a guy called Dr. Stanislav Bozinski. Huge amounts of controversy about this doctor. Just type in his name, if you can spell it, Bozinski. Been taken to court four times by the FDA four times by the Texas medical board. He's still in practice. Um, it, the treatment cost over $200,000. And uh, it wasn't easy. I can tell you it wasn't easy to get there because we had to get accepted on a trial. I had to find a doctor here that would oversee the treatment. I must've asked 50 doctors and they all said, no, 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 because the treatment wasn't approved, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when you want something, that's the best in me, right? is finding a solution, not accepting it. And we went there and my wife is alive and well today. But the second question of ask her what she's going to do when she gets better, I didn't ask her that question for three years. 
because I, I don't know. I didn't think it was important. When I did ask her that question, I remember exactly where we were. She started bursting out crying. And the reason for that was, and I knew she wasn't, she was scared to think about a future beyond a few days in a week. She was just trying to get by. And that's what I was trying to do. I was just trying to get by working really, really hard, but not really making the sort of progress that I want to make. So it was, it was then I Googled, I actually Googled draw your future. And I came across this woman called Patty Dolbovolsky, who's done three Ted talks who just helps people draw where they are. And I got my wife to do that. And that was a trigger point for me to start thinking about what's the big picture here. You know, I love to ask like someone like you, Glenn, with what you're doing, what is the big picture? Where is this imperfectly perfect campaign going? Because if you tell me, I can see, that's my superpower, actually. I start to see what you're saying. And then I go, wow, how can I help you with that? I just wasn't doing it myself. Like so many of us, we, we, we're not really doing this stuff ourselves. So hopefully that makes sense. It is. I love that, man. And you touched on so much there as well. And I think one of the things that I picked up on there when it comes to coaches and you said like, this kind of fraudulent state that you felt you was in. So we notice there's a lot, there's a lot of fake it till you make it. There's a lot of these coaches on these platforms and they're all experts and they're all this. And you know what? I think as you've grown on your journey and you become humble and you lead with humility, which we both have, you remove judgment of people because we were all there at one stage but you also kind of get that discernment where you notice people on those different types of stage where you once were. So you try and help them. Whether they're ready to receive that word or not is another thing. But what would you say or to give yourself that look back piece of advice for anyone that, because I know there's going to be a lot of people who come who are coaches who are going to listen to this episode, but to really breathe and live the true essence of who you are and how you've managed to find your people. Because I know that's something we connect on a lot. It's like you drop the pretense. There are enough people in this world <laughs> to like Pete for Pete and Glenn for Glenn. And we've all been given a gift that's different to each other. So this competing, this, all this kind of stuff, remove it. What would you say? Well, you and I have connected on a few things, but the thing that we've connected on recently is about virtue. Mm. You know, it's, it's crazy, right? You just connect. And when we look, the, the, the answer to the question is value. Give value, right? Give is the giver's market. It's not the getter's market. And that's what you see on a lot of platforms. I'm going to use this. I'm going to get as much as I can. So there's nothing else to get. Then I'll go somewhere else. I'll run the world dry. Maybe a lot of people think they've got something of value, uh, to give people. But I think now it's about giving more, you know, Napoleon Hill, you know, my, one of my favorite books, think and grow rich. You know, I've actually spoken on behalf of the Napoleon Hill foundation and Napoleon Hill's grandson was in the audience and he came up to me afterwards. And basically he, he put me right on something. Cause I was talking about your definiteness of purpose, which Napoleon Hill talked about. You've got to know what your purpose is, but he said, no, that's not what he really meant. What Napoleon Hill meant is you got to know who you need to be. You know, you've got to know who that person is. And if you know who that person is, then you will start acting like that person. So I know that there's a better version of me out there and I'm just doing my best to be that person every day. It's not always easy. You know, things happen. But when we look at the great things that exist, ideas that exist in religion and philosophy and modern psychology, it all comes down to virtue. So there's a story of Hercules, right? Hercules is walking along a road and there are two goddesses that come up to him. One goddess is called the goddess of vice. And she says to Hercules, Hercules, come with me. You can have anything you want. Anything you want is yours. And he kind of thinks about it. And this woman's beautiful. And then another woman comes up and she's, she's not as beautiful, um, but she looks at him and says, Hercules, I can't promise you everything, but I can promise you flourishing and fulfillment and you uh, the sense of achievement in the journey that you go on. And she was the goddess of virtue, right? And you know this because Martin Seligman, who's like the forefather of modern popular psychology, he for years was looking at happiness. And then they realized they were measuring happiness by how satisfied people were. 
And then they realized that life satisfaction was going down. So they were kind of realizing, oh my God, we're looking in the wrong place. So then he started to look at ancient wisdom and it all revolved around virtues. And that thing that you and I have done called the VIA Strength Character Finder, where they talk about four key virtues of courage, wisdom, justice, and temperance, right? So powerful. And those four split into 24, that they're kind of broken down. And then you can go through this questionnaire and you came back to me and you said, Pete, for me, it's all about trust. If I feel I can't trust someone, I can't work with them. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all about kindness. It's all about my top virtue is kindness, fairness, sense of humor, curiosity. My weakness was self-control. That was my 23rd or 20. I don't know where it was for you. Self-control, delay gratification. Mm-hmm. I've had to really work on that really work on that and now i'm getting better I've, sorry go on oh god i'll just say because that what you was talking about that it's i'd recommend everybody to do that because when mine came up with the trust and integrity like i'm a giver so it it's been a lot of giving along this process and my journey and when that came up it's funny because on the campaign on the team we have a positive psychologist and she knew mine straight away but we worked backwards. So we always get the team to go through sessions with a positive psychologist. So our narratives are changed and patterns and behaviors. And she actually noticed that mine was when I left university, I went traveling. So everything I did was Glenn. Then when I was without work, I had to find work. It was Glenn. It wasn't my parents bailing me out. It was Glenn. And then when I started this campaign, it kept going along. And then people were like suddenly jumping on the journey and then it was like Glenn again. So it's, it's again, I don't make judgment on people. People are brought to our journeys for a reason, a season, a lifetime, as we always speak about. But again, it was always Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. And I was like, oh my God, but it's me who's attracting that. And I need to change that narrative. And now I've yeah. got an incredible team. But one of the things that gels my team is those values. And my top one is integrity over everything. And like, with yourself, every single public figure. I have built long lasting relationships that some of these people over in the US doing massive things like we'll jump on a phone call before a podcast goes out. I'll be like, I'll send it to you so you can listen to it to make sure everything like there's not something that triggers you and maybe you didn't want to say, because first and foremost, for me, trust integrity. I am who I say I am. And I believe that's the same with you. So, well, it's fascinating because the word confidence actually means intense trust. Mm. So when you're confident, basically you're doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And when I look at you and what you've done, I think it inspires me because I think, well, how did you get Dr. Joe Dispenza on your podcast? How did you get, uh, what's his name? Wim Hof and all the other people. How did you do that? Who, you know, was it luck or was it the fact that I would say, I would imagine you knew who you needed to be, even to the point where you probably didn't even think about that. It's like, no, I know the person I, I know, I know how I need to think in order to go out and make this happen, which is I'm going to be that person, not going to be the narrative of telling myself that can't happen. In fact, you know, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who, who I think is, is amazing. And I've met, I've had the fortune of meeting him. And one of the things that he says, which I love, he says, by the time you're 35 years old, 95% of who you are is a set of conditioned responses, ideas, thoughts, feelings, habits. So if you want to change, good luck, because it means 5% is going up against 95%. Who's going to win? Unless you're driven, I think, by something bigger than yourself. And if there's trauma in your life that you haven't resolved, and that's probably going to keep coming up as well. But I love what you said about the narrative. And I want to ask you, you know, what was the narrative that you needed to start telling yourself that has allowed you to take what you're doing to this level? And this comes from a place of just genuine curiosity. What is it that you had to tell yourself in order to, to attract those sorts of people and take the imperfectly perfect campaign to where it is now? It's a funny one when it comes to that and the narrative. So I actually, and, and I'll turn it back to you with that question to see where you went with it. But I truly believe that my journey, it broke me to the point where all these preconditioned notions of what society tells us to be, and we're all placed on us, they had to be disconnected, broken, shackles taken straight off me. So you surrender. You realize that you're not in control. There's no point making judgment. So I was taken to a place where 
halfway through when COVID first hit and everyone knows I jumped on construction to do that. But then the kids were off. My wife had a full-time job. I had to come off. And my money was like going, and I was like, some days I went in the bathroom going, oh my God, I'm helping everybody else and I'm near zero dollars. Like, thank God that my wife's got enough to get us by. But then I realized on the flip side, it was showing me a journey that those people I was trying to help in that position, I understood what it was like for them. On the flip side, which I want to ask you about as well, is I started getting people reach out to me, even people I'd not heard for for years, like, hey, mate, hey, Glenn, can you connect me with? Can you do this for me? Can you do? And I was like, hold on a minute. Do people want to know Glenn for Glenn? Or do people want to know Glenn for what they can get? And I was, I was in a, a good job. I've got a support system because I was like, oh, my God. Until that support system said, Glenn, can you see? You are broken. And you've also been shown for the people that you speak to what it's like for them as well. So you've been put in this whole thing of changing your narrative from going into that preconditioned way that you were, being frustrated, being maybe bitter, being going like why do these people keep coming and trying to use me when I'm just trying to do this? And then they blame me if I don't give them what they want. And then all the narrative may it's <laughs> what we like leaving university, traveling on my own, being on my own, everything's always been on Glenn. And then it was kind of like people coming and just taking what they could and then yeah. leaving. And so that narrative all had to change, but that's what I would say to you with that, your own narrative, when, You've had the TV career. You still do TV. You get on stages. Like you said, you've worked for these foundations doing these talks in front of incredible people. You work with professional athletes, world-renowned leaders yourself. What have you noticed about, how do I put this? Like, <laughs> when you find that person who you are, ultimate happiness, like fame doesn't matter, money doesn't matter, they're all byproducts, what is it for you? So you just said something around um, when you realize what people are really like, you know, and I love what you said about going to rock bottom. It seems like we're all on the hero's journey, all of us. That's why we watch films. I wrote a book about the hero's journey. You know, someone is called to an adventure. They don't want to go. They get a coach, they get a mentor. And, you know, whether it's Harry Potter or Rocky or Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz or whatever it is, Frodo, we're all being called, but we all have to go to a place that we don't really want to go where we're faced with something. And then there's this void that I think most of us are avoiding, which is stepping into something else, becoming someone new. And what you said before was really, because you were a different person to the person that you were before I am. I still have remnants of who I was, but I'm a completely different person. I loved what you said there about people that want to get from you. And I used to attract a lot of people like that, but I, I, I believe that everyone uses everybody, but I prefer to use people who want to, who want to help others, you know, and I'm starting to find more of those people coming into my life, not just because of that social media app, but because of who I have become, yep. who I have chosen to become. I, something is happening. I, I couldn't explain exactly what it is. I could probably try but I am putting out a different vibration into the world. I am, I'm a different person. So I'm attracting that. And some people might call that the law of attraction or magnetism. I don't know what it is, but if I was an athlete and I was vibrating at that frequency, chances are I would have better results because I've decided to reinvent who I am. And you know, what is, what is the greatest achievement of any human being? I love to ask this question, which is, what will be your greatest achievement? And, and often then people want to tell you about what they've done. And I'm saying, I'm, I'm not asking you what you've done. I don't care what you've done. I don't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm, I'm more interested in what you're going to do because that's history, right? It's gone. What are you going to do? And for me, it's still who I become. I want to be here for a long time. I want to overcome the odds of getting into my 70s and 80s and dying of, of a disease that I don't have to die of because of choices that I make today. I am investing in my future by what I do today. Um, but it, it takes, it takes a certain type of, what's the word? An awareness, right? And to be able to step back and realize like you do, which is you question things, hang on, hold on. 
hold on, what's actually going on here? And I don't know why people don't do that. I don't know why more of us, because hang on a second, what's going on here? Like in America, 97.3% of Americans are unhealthy by four basic measures. And it's not just America. It's like, hang on, what are we doing? Yeah. I think we're in pain. We're in pain and we're driven to get out of pain. We don't like being in pain. We're in a world that almost society is pushing us to feel some sort of discomfort, dissatisfaction. I'm not good enough so that we don't like to feel like that. And we're driven to get out of it. And most people are driven to get out of it by behaviors that don't serve them in the long term. So I'm not sure whether this answers the question, but I think I'm going to answer the question that you asked me with, it's just the questioning that I have. I love to ask questions. I'm just like you, you're curious. How does that work? What does that mean? I'm don't pull the wall over my eyes. I yeah. want to understand this for myself, you know? And I think that's that natural inquiry of life rather than the acceptance of life. I'm a rebel at heart. When I was a kid, not when I was a kid, when I first started working with my coach, he said something to me really profound. This way he said, he goes, he goes, you're like Jesus. I went, what? He goes, he said, what do you know about Jesus? And I went, well, a bit. I mean, I'm Jewish, but I actually went to a Catholic school. So I went to Sunday school being a Jew and, and listening to the stories of the Old Testament. And I went to a Catholic school. So you heard about Jesus. And he said, well, you know, Jesus was a rebel. You know, all these rules that maybe Jesus felt like, hang on a second. Whoa. Um, and he went away and he left all of that. This is my interpretation of the story. He went to the desert, 40 days, 40 nights. He found himself. And literally, what did he do? He went back and he's got this enlightenment. He's like enlightened by who he is and, and, and what he's about. And people look at him. And I don't know whether, again, I might be wrong here. I don't know whether Jesus wanted everyone to follow him. Right? I don't know. A Buddha didn't want everyone to. Buddha was just sharing information, the same with Muhammad. Different people will have different ideas of what I'm saying here. But I'm a rebel. I don't want to do what someone else tells me to do. I don't. If anyone tells me what to do, I think, who the hell are you to tell me what to do? I want to work it out for myself. And in my work, I want people, and that might not be for everybody. I'm not saying we shouldn't follow people, but ultimately, who's the greatest person to follow? It's got to be you, right? Yeah. When you decide where you want to go. That's why I would follow you, Glenn. I said, Glenn, where are you going? I can't follow Glenn. Why? He's playing a bigger game than me. He's, it's not a bigger game. You're playing an, an important game that is about growth and contribution. And that's what, you know, Tony Robbins in that TED talk, um, uh, which is why we do what we do. I, I like what he says about the, that's why it's one of the most watched TED talks in history. You know, he talks about the six things that drive people, uncertainty, uncertainty, which is strange because everyone wants a bit of uncertainty. No one wants total certainty, connection and significance. He says with those four needs, a lot of people get them met in a way which is fairly negative. That's why social media can be, because you can feel the connection and you can feel the significance, but it's not deep. And, yeah. and if you can't get those met in a way that is meaningful, that's positive, it's very hard for us to do what he thinks we're all designed deep down to do, which is to grow and to contribute. So I've got those other four needs met in a way, which it, it's just, I can cope. I can survive. I can, but for me, Glenn, it's all about, I want to grow. I want to contribute. And that to me is what life is all about. Growth and contribution. How can I help you? That's what Martin Luther King said. You know, he said the most important question we should be asking each other is what can I do for you? I'm not afraid to ask that question. And I ask that question all the time. And it really shocks a lot of people. I said, what do you mean? I said, what do you need? How can I help you? I might not have the capacity to help you, but I'll, I'll find someone who can. Yeah. You know, what a great question to ask everybody and see what happens as a result of it. Even that, when you're going, when you, when you say a question like that, that shocks a lot of people, it just shows where people are on that journey. Because they <laughs> may not have self-accepted or self-awareness of themselves to go, hey, everyone talks about you need to get uncomfortable to start being comfortable. But there's different layers in that. And I think coming back to you talking about questioning, you like to question things. We both like to question things. I think ultimately when it comes to those narratives that we tell ourselves and like people using us and stuff like that, exactly what you said there, when people can realize 
have those questions around everything else, but ultimately see how those questions reflect and trigger you. Because if they trigger you and you notice patterns, there's something that you need to look within and go, why am I attracting that? And why aren't I on the vibrational frequency, as you say, to get to that level I need to be? It's myself (laughs) that's holding me back. And I think once you let go, it's almost like in the IPC, we talk about this community, this global community, but the whole premise of it is something from myself going, I want to connect with, uh, connect with like-minded people just to go, <sighs> I just want to breathe sometimes. Like everybody's telling me to do this, this way, this way. You need to do this for business. You need to look this way. You need to da 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 Shit, just give me a break. I just want to find people just to go, how was your day today, mate? Well, it was shit, but you know what? Let's play together and have a drink and like not alcohol, but you know what I mean? Just like yeah. we are what we was made, which takes me into the question, mate. I'll let you answer that in a second, but before you do, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Oh, such a great question. You know, it's to be human. It is to be human. That's the human experience, to be imperfect. We look... We don't live forever. That's the first thing. We are all imperfect, right? It's amazing that we're here. It's amazing that we've survived. The only reason we're here is because we've adapted. You know, our forefathers adapted so that we could live today. We're living in a massively imperfect world. Look what humans are doing. There's no better example to see how imperfect we are. But what's the most perfect thing that we could do? I think, oh, this is a deep question. I think the most perfect thing we can do is to realize what we actually have and what we can do with what we have, the difference that we can make, the love that we can give to other human beings, the kindness, the respect. Just to realize that first off, we are in, but to accept it rather than trying to be perfect. Because if you try and be perfect, you are screwed. There's, I don't think there's any such thing as perfection. However, This is, again, maybe controversial for some people, but striving for perfection is the most beautiful thing, knowing that you'll never get there. You know, Matthew McGonaghy and his, you know, his speech and when he won the Oscar in 2013, when someone said to him, who's your hero? And he thought, I have to think about that. And and then he went away and he saw the guy a few days later and he said, well, who's your hero? And he goes, I've thought about it. It's me in 10 years time, you know? Um, I know. And then he saw the guy again, 10 years later. And the guy said, are, are you your hero? Yeah. And he goes, not even close. No, I, I know who I'm pursuing. I know who I'm chasing. I'm striving to be that person, but I never will. I've worked with a lot of golfers, you know, no golfer will ever play the perfect round of golf. It's impossible. It can't be done, but striving for it, or even believing that it might be possible, but not giving yourself a hard time when you fall short, because you'll always fall short of something because that's life. Um, and I've had to wake up to the fact that, well, I always knew that I wasn't, per- I've just learned to accept myself, accept my, my flaws. You know, I could get a nose job if I really wanted to, but you know, I'm not going to do that. I can't even see my nose unless I, you know, for those of you that are listening to this, I've got a fairly big nose. Right. But, um, um, you know what they say, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, Glenn, there was there was something that you said before, which just really just really hit something so important. And you know, you did the thing when you went in. You went inside, right? You went, and there were some studies that were done that showed that people would prefer an electric shock than being sat on their own with the, with their own thoughts. And I think there is this fear of going within, and the fear of not having anything to do or hold on to. But that's where, but where is the magic? Where is the magic in you? Is it the magic in you? It's something outside of you or is the magic that you have within you that's a little bit below the ideas that you have of who you are and your trauma and your life. And that's why I really love your podcast and so many people that you've brought to the table, because there's some real themes that you hear that all of these people saying around wake up to what you do have and what you can do with what you have. You don't have to be your past. In fact, what science now shows, I just wrote something about the, you know, the Holocaust because, you know, yesterday was the Memorial day of the Holocaust. I know that if my great grandfather hadn't left Lithuania in 1890, I wouldn't be here. And I know, and this is massive. This is so big right now. One of the biggest advancements in positive psychology is celebration. We all know the power of gratitude. 
being grateful for what we have, but to celebrate now more and more people are going to wake up to the power of celebrating what we do. Like the little things that we do that were making a big difference, like celebrating the fact that you exercised and you didn't feel like it or celebrating that you did something for someone else. But that's why I celebrate you. I celebrate you. I celebrate who you are, what you're doing. It's such a powerful force, right? And I celebrate my life. All of those people who aren't here anymore, I, I celebrate them by being the best that I can be. So I'm excited and I'm inspired, even though there's a lot of challenges right now. There's a few things going on that are difficult, but I have to have something in front of me that I'm working towards because without that, it's hopeless. You know, I'm, I'm driven. I love this conversation, mate. We could, we could go on all night. There's, there's a couple <laughs> of questions though, like, because each time it's like a touch point. And I'm glad that you said something about the podcast earlier and the reason you love it because you pick up certain things. And that is one of my main aims with this podcast going, yes, there might be people who people recognize blah, 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 blah on, on whatever level they are, whatever industry, remove the industry. Listen, try and listen intently to what they're saying because once you can go within and you listen to these stories, a lot of similar similarities and commonalities are what you said there. Are you willing to go past that uncomfortable stage, not in marketing where you see coaches, people in marketing who put, you've got to get uncomfortable to be comfortable. You've got to get in front of these people. That true belief in that saying for me is, are you willing to remove all the shit? So there's yeah. a story I'll tell you a little bit because you're a good storyteller. So I'm going to tell you one. Um, and it's part of the IPC. So back in the olden days, and you might have heard it, um, I think it was within Thailand. And I can't remember which country, but they were coming in to invade Thailand. And at the time, there was a monastery and they were taking all the gold. So the monastery that was there, the people were there. They covered one of the, the, um, the Buddhas in mud. They put soot, mud, everything on it. Years and years later, obviously all time had passed and there's this monk and he's, he's out there and it, there was a big storm and he went out and he saw this little shimmer that was coming from, from this, this mud pile and he, he didn't understand what it was. Anyway, the storm passed the next day and he was telling the rest of them and they went out and they started chipping away and they realized that it was this, this, this Buddha that was pure gold. And the whole essence of the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and all that is you were born who you were born, imperfect. Through those journeys and those tribulations, whatever, you've had shit chucked on you. Let's face it, shit from this, trauma from this, this from this. If you are willing to chip away and release the soul that you were born to be, the spirit, whatever you believe in, that is when... And I'm saying this story to you because it's everything that you do to bring that empowerment out of people to realize once you are willing to go deep, whatever you see for your future self, you can achieve as big as you want, but you have to go within and believe in yourself. You know, thank you for sharing that. I have heard that story before, but you know, you, when you said it, it just gave me a different, a different view on it. Mm. And I think what happens for a lot of people I remember reading about this once, how people put on a strong front, right? Like, look at me. Yep. They've got a very weak back. We're very, they'll break really easily. And it's like, no, no, no. The person who, was, who I was reading about was saying, no, no, no. You want to have a soft front and a strong back. Like, yeah. I'm open, right? I'm open, but I'm strong rather than the other way around. And that's where the magic is, that you can be open, you can be vulnerable. Uh, Brene Brown talks about this, and she's done some amazing work to open people up. She calls it armoring up. So if you armor up and you put on a front, you can never be as creative and as, as successful because it can't be one without the other. It's like you can't be happy and depressed at the same time. You can't be anxious and inspired at the same time. Well, maybe you can. I don't think so. It's like one or the other. And it, it's choosing to just be open and, and to be seen, you know, that's why public speaking is one of the biggest fears in the world, because people don't want to show themselves as a weak or a vulnerable human being rather than hang on. We're all bloody weak and vulnerable. We're all we're all flawed because we've grown up into a world where we at the beginning, we couldn't make sense of it all because we were just receptors to take it all in. So what the hell did we take in? It wasn't our idea. Yep. Like, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, we were told you should be seen and not heard. Money doesn't grow on trees. 
don't copy. Uh, there are starving children in the world, so you better eat what's on your plate. How many people today are still eating what's on their plate for some children in Ethiopia? You know, it's like if you don't wake up to the fact that we've taken all this stuff in. I remember reading about the Boston bombing, that people that watched more than five hours of that experienced more post-traumatic stress than people that were there. So if we don't wake up to the fact of what are we taking in, what have we taken in, and what impact is that having on us? And it's that thing that you said, it's being willing willing to go inside and see, as Marianne Williamson said, you know, man's deepest fear is his, is his, is his greatness. And that's why Mandela said that, you know, he didn't, he could have picked anything to say. He basically said man's deepest, he could have come out of being in prison and been angry, but he said, no, I'm stepping into my greatness. I'm stepping into it. And I think if you want to do that, I love to find people that want to do that. And I want to help them. I want to support them because there's nothing better than being a part of other people's success. Right. Yeah. And you think there's nothing part, nothing better than that. That's why those films that we all love right now are the, the superheroes where Batman's now working with Superman and wonder woman. And it's like collectively what, what impact can we have? Yeah. So my last question for you then to finish the show, mate, well, the episode is you've done amazing things. You continue to do amazing things, but remove all that, remove the profession, remove the titles, remove who you've worked for. We're just looking at Pete here. What is your hope for humanity? My hope for humanity is that people wake up to the fact that their view of the future isn't very far. And if it's not very far, then you're only going to get so far and you'll only probably be exactly who you are. I think most people in the world today are living a future that they don't want. If you could show them the result and I think like in Ebenezer Scrooge, when he sees how it all turns out, he comes back to today and he's driven and inspired. And this is what Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza says. You can either be uh, fueled and driv driven by pain and suffering or inspiration and possibility. If you open up your mind to the fact that there's a whole world out there for you, there's a future that you could connect to, you in the future. And then, as you said before, taking the mud away, chipping away at what doesn't need to be there so you can really... Be it, make a difference so that when you do leave your life and it all ends, you can look back and go, wow, I didn't leave anything on the table. I gave it my best. I would love, I literally, I was saying this to a friend that the day that you are like leaving this world, I wonder if there's a recollection of every piece of pattern that you've gone through and serendipitous moments going, that happened because I went there. That happened because there, because I've had these kind of dreams, which kind of, is out there, but it, it led me and I was met that person for that and that, and then moved to New Zealand for that. And that happened and that, but I would like to think before we part onto the next world, wherever we go, everything's just like a rewind thing, a fast forward, just to go look at everything that you've achieved. Cause we are so bloody hard on ourselves on this life. And that's coming from the flesh and we're not enjoying the moment, but I just want to say on behalf of the campaign, on behalf of everything that you do for everyone, mate, you are a huge mental health advocate. You're a huge advocate for just making an impact on other people's life and empowering. Where can people find out more information about you? Well, they can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn, uh, but if they go to mi365.me, there's a 30-day program we put together, which is absolutely free. And that program is about identity and and starting to know the person that you're capable of becoming. So that's probably the best way. But um, what can we do for you, uh, Glenn, with the podcast? You know, because I will share this with everybody I know. How can we help you with the IPC campaign? What can we do? Well, as I say every time, and I always thank you for this, because you say this every time on the platform, like, what can we do? So one of the biggest premises with us is really getting an engaged global community. So with a podcast, it's sharing it as much as people can, pretty much. There's so many people with different inspiring stories, as you know. And it's just letting people know about each episode that may resonate when you hear someone's story. Oh, I know that person and that. But one of the biggest things for me, as I've always told you, it's about getting people involved. So, you know, the initiative, I'm imperfectly perfect. You can place it on your hand, send us in a selfie. I've actually today, you might have seen, and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to this one as well, Pete. I started when I kicked this off for huge involvement. Give me three things that you do daily for your mental health, because the amount of people that do say, I want to be a part of this and I want to help people, but I don't know how. So I'm like, right. 
turn the camera on yourself, film yourself, give us three reasons or what you do for your mental health that has helped you step forward that we can put on our community initiative, our social pages, that people might resonate with you. And what your words say will make impact to that one person. And you may possibly save a life, then nominate yeah. another person. So you create that collective conscious and a ripple effect. So it keeps going forward. Cause you know, my premise is about creating a legacy. When I'm gone, I want this ripple effect of going, you know what, daily, let's say what I do for my mental health. Because if I put that out into the world and someone just happens to scroll it, because you know how that works. One day you can be having a shit day and you can scroll your social and something will come across your path that'll brighten your day. But that person will never know that they just made an impact, maybe saved their life, maybe they did this, maybe do that. So yeah, that's those are the main ways to help us. Well, I know this might sound strange, but obviously I'm going to spread this out to everybody I know. And if you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe and also go and check out the episodes, especially with uh, Wim Hof and Joe Dispenza. I mean, I, I, I just thought they were amazing and uh, I really wish you continued success, uh, Glenn, with what you're doing. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. You're always welcome, mate. And guys, just remember, please subscribe to the podcast. Simply go to all major podcast platforms. But remember, the main thing about the IPC is to have those conversations, get those conversations started, because it's the hard conversations that saves lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.